Now we're turning today to the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6, Matthew in chapter 6, and to verse 24. As we'll just read from verse 19 to the end of the chapter. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness... How great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon... In all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Amen. Let's ask the Lord's help as we consider the scriptures together. Our Father, we thank thee that we are able to open up the book which thou hast left for us, that we might read it meditate in it we thank the lord that it's not just a book it's not just writing upon a page that we might read and seek to memorize but lord it is through it that thou dost speak to us it is through thy word that the voice of the almighty can touch our hearts and to our and and our souls this we desire this day lord we pray that thou was ministered to us by thy word the things that we read may not be a dead letter, but a living word. Hear us then, we ask thee. Continue with us this morning and bless our souls. And in all of our intention, Lord, that we might find power by the Holy Ghost to overcome the flesh and the lusts of the flesh and desire that which is according to light and to righteousness and to life through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name it is that we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to think about these words here in verse 24. No man can serve two 
masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. First of all, just to consider uh, the words themselves and to uh, clear up any misunderstandings that might be there, uh, we realize that it says here that that, uh, the Lord says, no man can serve two masters. And again, at the end, ye cannot serve God and mammon. He doesn't say you must not serve God and mammon. Uh, He doesn't say you should not serve God and mammon, but he says you cannot serve God and mammon. And so therefore we must fall into one of these two camps of which uh, the Lord speaks here. Then we see in the second phrase, therefore, either he will hate the one and love the other. And so uh, those are clear words we can understand. Uh, It may be that we serve the one that we hate, of course, and that we don't serve the one that we love. But nevertheless, there will be that attitude to those uh, that uh, are our masters in this world. And also it says, he will hold to the one and despise the other. The word despise in our day and age usually means another form of hatred. But really what it is saying here is he will neglect the other. So he will hold to the one, be obedient to the one. And whatever the other one says, well, if it fits in, uh, perhaps it might be done but he's not too bothered whether he does it or not. And so the the other is despised. So I want to think, first of all, about the masters here, these two masters of which the Lord has spoken, uh, that no man can serve two masters. So the two masters clearly are God and mammon. The word mammon is a word which has come from the Aramaic, which means riches, um, it is thought that there was one, uh, a god, a man-made god, uh, which was called Mammon also, uh, which perhaps um, uh, corresponded to Pluto in, in, the, uh, in the mythologies. Uh, and so it was a god of riches. But nevertheless, the same thought here uh, applies either way. And uh, it, it is usually taken that this means riches rather than an actual idol or an actual false god, false deity. So these two masters, God and Mammon, when we consider them and compare them together, uh, we can begin to just uh, meditate in our own hearts uh, of which one we ought to seek after, uh, which one should be appealing to us uh, to follow after. Uh, we, sometimes we, we just follow things which come to us because the world does it, uh, because it is the attitude of the world, because uh, that is the surrounding in which we live. And we find that when the word of God challenges us, we begin to think about what it is that we do, what it is that we believe, that we might indeed change our attitude and change our thinking on it. Certainly that's happened very often in my life. And uh, when something has been challenged, I hadn't really realized, I hadn't really thought about it before uh, as to whether this was a good thing or a bad thing. It's just, just the way we live. Uh, and perhaps that same thing may apply here. So when we think about these two masters, first of all, we think about God and we think about our creator. He who has created us and he who has created all things around us, all things for our good and we look upon the creation of God and we see the wonders of it 
the wonders of the creation of God in biology and in uh, chemistry and in physics. Uh, when we look at all of the, uh, those so-called sciences, science, of course, has taken on a kind of a personality in this day and age, and people worship science, but science uh, historically just means knowledge. Uh, when we consider this knowledge, uh, which is uh, revealed to us of the power and of the wisdom of God, we are often amazed. I, I love to look into things of uh, biology and chemistry and the like, and physics even, although physics is a bit beyond uh, what my capabilities are. But um, we look into those things and the way things work, the way things work together, uh, the, the complexities of these things are wonderful. And we see there a God who is so much in control and so knowledgeable that he is able to create this world and this universe and our bodies and all the reactions, the chemical reactions which surround them, the biological aspects of our bodies and of all of the ecology of the planet. And God is able to put all of these things together so that they work and when you think of the complexity of the planet, not just one biological character or creature, but the complexity of the whole planet, the ecology of the whole planet, and that God has all of these things in his hand and has worked it out so that everything is balanced, so that everything uh, works. And even when there are swings and roundabouts like the, the, the sea coming in and the sea going out, all of those things are still con continually balanced one against another. Here we see one who we should trust. Here is one that we can put our, our trust in and know that he will not fail uh, because he understands and knows all things. When we compare God, our creator, with mammon, uh, which is our riches, we realize that mammon really is just our credit. It is our credit. It is something that we have exchanged our labor or our goods for, and it is something which stands in the place of those goods. Now we're uh, in some situations, of course, in the world, you're better off with the goods than you are with the credit. Uh, the pound note, pound coins, pound notes showing my age, uh, pound coins uh, that we might have in our pockets or the uh, 20 pound notes, whatever they are, can be devalued. In fact, just at the moment, they are, they have been devalued as the Chancellor has uh, decided in his infinite wisdom to devalue the pound and print some more of them uh, for the same amount of worth, uh, now we have uh, those 20-pound notes are not worth what they used to be worth. And so we have lost out on that. If we had saved that, if we had kept it, and we had just had it in actual cash uh, stuffed under the mattress in, in our bedroom, uh, then that money is not worth what it was before the pound was devalued. And so uh, what we have in credit has lost something. And we see that, of course, all of the time. And yet here we can serve the master of our credit. That, that we are, everything that we are doing is about collecting money and, and, and trying to keep that money and trying to keep up with uh, what the, the, the inflation rate is. And we're hearing just at the moment of how inflation is, is uh, spiraling upwards and getting uh, somewhat out of control. Who should we trust in then? The God who has everything controlled and perfect and in balance and in equilibrium or our credit which can flourish and can diminish and is here one moment and is gone the next. Who should we trust? God says you cannot trust both. Who should we trust? 
And then when we compare God and mammon once again, we see God as our sustainer. The scripture says, for in him we live and move and have our being. And it is in the Lord that we have our life. We live because God sustains us by that same power where he has created all things. He upholds us by his power and all things are held by him. It is our sustainer. And therefore we are, whatever our consideration, whatever our mental attitude toward God is, we are trusting in him because we are trusting in him for tomorrow. We read there in James that we ought to say that uh, if God will, we shall live and do this and that. Uh, We ought to say that because we ought to recognize it. But of course, the world doesn't recognize it and considers that uh, the tomorrow will be just the same as today. And uh, there's always the hope that it will be better than today. But God is our sustainer. He is the one who lends life to us and he gives it to us that it might be used for him, although usually in the life of men and women, it is used for ourselves. But we see mammon then. Well, mammon is supposedly our servant. We use money. It serves us and it serves whatever it is that we have need of and sometimes whatever it is that we lust after. And so we can take that, that money and uh, use it. Uh, it's supposed to be our servant. We find that it's not really our servant. Very often it becomes our master. And that's why the Lord points to it in this way and says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and riches. You cannot serve God and mammon. It becomes our master. But we think of it as being our servant. And so we need to go and buy something. We need food for the table for the week. And uh, we go in this day and age to the the debit card or the credit card probably. Or perhaps you hold cash. And uh, you take that out and you spend it for whatever it is you want. But then of course... We are indebted to that purse and we have to go out and replenish it and we find that we are serving the the servant. Uh, The scripture says in Proverbs 13, 7, there is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Of course, we can uh, heap to ourselves riches, but find ourselves in the gravest poverty spiritually speaking certainly even uh, intellectually speaking and uh, um, emotionally speaking because we are in bondage to finances so if we cannot serve two masters who should we serve our creator or our credit our sustainer or our servant and then if we compare again we can say that God is our judge God is our judge it is God who will look upon us and it is God who will judge whether we are uh, acceptable in his sight to enter into the greatest riches of all, the, the streets of glory, and to know the blessing of the presence of the Lord with eternal life. He is our judge. In Psalm 72 verse 4 we read, He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor who should we serve if we serve our judge if we are his if we are known of him then that is a blessed thing when we come to stand before him but on the other hand what is mammon well is mammon mammon not our jailer does not mammon tie us up are we not tied to do this or to do that 
Uh, if we want finances, we must work. If we can't work, then we must find, we must beg, or we must go to the state in this day and age. There is something that we must do in order to live. It becomes our jailer. And there are many, of course, who are uh, greatly concerned at the moment with the prices of things, the prices of fuel, the prices of gas and electricity, even the prices of food. Uh, and this is continually going up in these particular days. In 1 Timothy 6, 9, we read, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. You see, mammon can become our jailer. Uh, it's not a judge. It doesn't judge us. But it just simply puts us into bondage. And who should we serve? Do we serve a master who is our creator, our sustainer, our judge, or our credit, our servant, our jailer? And again, we can say in our comparisons of God that he is our saviour. That God is our saviour. The Lord says to us in Isaiah 55 and verses 1 to 3. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? And your labour for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Here is our Saviour speaking. He says, come. We don't need money to come to the Lord. We need only to believe and to come into his presence and when we hear him and we draw near to him our soul shall live and an everlasting covenant the sure mercies of david uh, will include us that great covenant between the father and the son even the son of man who represents all of his people on the other hand when we come to consider mammon well we come across one who is our swindler he swindles us out of our time. He swindles us out of our desires. He swindles us out of all uh, that we have in this world. And he takes away our time and he takes away our soul. In Mark 4 verse 19, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. You see, the love of mammon, the love of riches, will take our hearts away from God. We will go in a separate direction altogether. And we will go away from those things which are the true treasures. And we see there in verse 19 of Matthew 6, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. But if our heart and our mind is so taken up with riches, we're so taken up with money uh, and, or what tomorrow will bring and how well we can do, then our heart has no time for the Lord. Neither does it have any time for the meditation upon those higher thoughts, those spiritual needs that our souls have. Uh, we have, but we have nothing. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Where are your riches? Are your riches in Christ? Or are they in a bank somewhere? 
Can they be stolen away from you? There are many we hear of who have been uh, duped out of their riches. And some have lost uh, tens and even hundreds of thousands uh, by people who have scammed them out of their money. And all of that time and all of their expectations and everything that they had set upon the hopes of using that money in time to come have all gone. The riches are gone. Everything's gone. But no one can steal your salvation. No one can steal your joy in the Lord. No one can steal uh, that fellowship that we have with God and even our relationship with him when we stand before our judge. In Romans 6 verse 16, just to make this clear before us, the Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servant to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But this is a truism. Whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Who do you obey? Are you in obedience to the deceitfulness of riches? Or are you in obedience to God, our creator? Again, in Psalm 123 and verse 1, Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God, that he may have mercy upon us. Where are your eyes today? Are they upon the riches of this world? Or are they set upon the Lord in heaven? Who is your master? Because ye cannot, not ye should not, not ye must not, but ye cannot serve God and mammon. Secondly then, having considered the two masters, let's consider the motives which are held here. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Love, we see here then, is one of those things. Love is a strange thing. It's become something which is just an emotion, really, uh, or lust, even. It, it is something which comes and goes, and people say, well, I fell in love. It was love at first sight. And then uh, they might say sometime later, well, we desire a divorce because we've fallen out of love. Well, that's not the love that the scripture speaks of. The love that the scripture speaks of is something which grows. It is something which is intentional. It is a love which grows as we consider the one whom we love. And we take more and more of them to our heart. And we desire uh, their presence and rejoice in their presence. Now, the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 3, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. Do we love the Lord? Do we love the Lord? In that portion, we think about this uh, just yesterday morning, but in that portion it says that knowledge puffeth up, but charity or love buildeth up. And do we love the Lord? Are we built up in the Lord? Or are we puffed up simply in knowledge? You know, we can sit in the church and we can uh, know many scriptures and we can say, well, we've heard the word preached many, many times and we've heard something about this before and we know all that. We don't really need to listen to it. And you're puffed up in knowledge and can say, well, I know it. But do you love the Lord? This is the question we should ask ourselves. Do we love the Lord? Not just the scriptures, 
not even just the fellowship, not just uh, the, the, the meeting together in God's house, but do we love the Lord? And how close are we to him? If we love him, then we will hate the world and the love of the world will not be in us uh, and we will use it as not abusing it. But on the other hand, in 1 Timothy 6.10, we read, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money is the root of all evil. Because the love of money takes us into situations uh, where we are in grave danger. There are many. I was just reading something yesterday about the, or hearing it actually, I think it was, <clears throat> about uh, a group who is trying to stop the advertising of gambling uh, on football matches and, and in other sports. And of course it was deregulated some years ago by the government and now there's adverts everywhere and you can, <clears throat> you can gamble on the outcome of the football match, you can gamble on who scores the first goal, you can gamble on what the score will be at half, half time. Uh, there are even some protections that if uh, a horse, for instance, doesn't make the end of the race, then you get your money back. And there are all kinds of things which draw you in. And people think, well, if I can just take uh, something and put on that, I might make myself a, a great wealth. And so many have brought themselves to poverty, not just to themselves also, but also their families. And they have gambled away their lives and they have brought uh, great uh, sorrows upon themselves, seeking after money, seeking after money because they love money. And it becomes that they love money for the sake of money, not even for what it can do, but just for the sake of it. And people sometimes in their gambling might get a great win and they'll take the lot and they'll put it on something else and lose it all again. And it never occurred to them that they could have used what they had gained for something that was useful. And I often thought uh, even how we might use the Lord's money that the Lord gives to us uh, to live our lives. And do we take it, that which he has given to us, and gamble with it and give it to those who are rich already? I think it was, um, uh, I, I'm not sure I should uh, state this online because uh, I'm not quite sure of the figures, but it was something like one of the um, directors of a gambling com company's wages was 400 million. And they, they're doing all right out of gambling, but what about the poor person who can't put uh, food on the table, can't clothe their children because their husband or their wife is spending all of the money gambling and losing it well we need to be very careful where our love is not only for that but also our lust our lust after things uh, he will hold to the one or and despise the other uh, a lust after things he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver nor he that loveth abundance with increase this is also vanity ecclesiastes 5 and 10 he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied. And that's the problem, isn't it? I, I, I've, I, I know of people who have um, said that they're going to make, become a millionaire and then they're going to retire. They never did retire. They're continuing on to build another million and another on top of it. And uh, they, they just keep on going because we're never satisfied. We're, however much we have, we always want some more. And that applies to any kind of a lust, doesn't it? 
People get caught up with uh, pornography. People get caught up uh, with drinking. People get caught up with drugs. And it's never enough. We always need to go a little bit further. Uh, people get caught up with that rush of adrenaline. And they're always looking for something else to give them an even greater high. And to feel even, even better. People get caught up even with fear. People like to go and, and scare themselves rigid in cinemas. And then they're looking for something which is even worse, even more scary, because it gives them that high. We're never satisfied. Never satisfied. Oh, that we might say the same of our love for the Lord, that we are never satisfied. That when we come to the Lord in prayer and we have spent that that. 10 minutes in prayer we want next time to spend 15 minutes and then 20 minutes and then half an hour and then an hour and then two hours we would love to spend a day in prayer we just want to be a week in prayer in the presence of the lord or it might be the same in those things in isaiah 26 verse 5 we read for he bringeth down them that dwell on high the lofty city he layeth it low he layeth it low even to the ground. He bringeth it even to the dust. The foot shall tread it down. The feet of the poor and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou most upright dost weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. With my soul have I desired thee. Oh, that our lust might be for the Lord. Read in Galatians 5.17, The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. The spirit lusteth against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But the spirit lusteth after us. Do we lust after the spirit? Do we desire him that he might fill us? We can say also concerning this motive, the motive of pride, Oh, how many seek after riches that they might proudly say, I am rich and you are poor. I have this and I have that and you have nothing. It's become a, a, a theme of television, hasn't it? Where uh, the rich person goes to the poor person's house and they swap places. Never seen one of these programs, but I've heard and seen adverts for them. And uh, what difference there is. And people who, well, there was just a, uh, recently people uh, were uh, cutting up very expensive handbags, something to do with the Ukraine war, I think it was, but they could afford to do so. And they spent hundreds on a handbag and they say, oh, we're not going to buy that anymore. And they just chop it up because they're so rich, it doesn't make any difference to them. People who park their Lamborghinis and their Rolls Royces in London and they've got uh, parking tickets all over them, but they don't care because they've got so much. It's just nothing. They're making that interest in a couple of hours. And so it makes no difference to them. They like to flaunt that. It's just pride. Pride. And Ezekiel 28.5, By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic thou hast increased thy riches and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Oh, what pride there is. This is the motive after money. Is it motive in your heart? to desire the riches of this world 
In comparison, we might read Galatians 6.14 where the Apostle Paul says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Here is his pride. He glories in Christ. Glories in the Lord. And do we glory in the Lord? Is the Lord our master? Or are we serving mammon? And power, of course, as well. The power of these great nations of the past. The power of Egypt. The power of Assyria. The power of Greece. The power of Rome. And more and more we're hearing concerning the uh, uh, empirical power of, of England. And uh, those nations which want to separate themselves from Her Majesty the Queen in these days. But where are these places now? What, how, does this last? Do these great uh, men who have, have brought these places to great pro- prominence think of the, of the Caesars and of Alexander the Great and uh, uh, these different ones who have, who have raised up their kingdoms? Where are those kingdoms? Where are those kingdoms now? Where is Egypt now? We see all the great things which were done there in time past. Now, the power is something which is sought. But the Apostle Paul says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Who is our master? No man can serve two masters. You know the Lord Jesus said we should call no man master for one is your master which is God. But is that true of us? The one is our master, even God. And then finally, the manifestations. The manifestations. I'm just going to give a quote here from Matthew Henry. Uh, I love Matthew Henry. Uh, He always gives something which is practical uh, and applicable to our lives. He doesn't just take the text and tell you what it means, but he applies it, and that's a wonderful thing. He says this, God says, my son Give me thy heart. Mammon says, no, give it to me. God says, be content with such things as ye have. Mammon says, grasp at all that ever thou canst. Money, money by means, by fair means or by foul money. God says, defraud not, never lie. Be honest and just in all thy dealings. Mammon says, Cheat thine own father if thou canst gain by it. God says, be charitable. Mammon says, hold thy own. This giving undoes us all. God says, be careful for nothing. Mammon says, be careful for everything. God says, keep holy thy Sabbath day. Mammon says, make use of that day as well as any other for the world. Thus inconsistent are the commands of God and mammon, so that we cannot serve both. Let us not then halt between God and Baal, but choose you this day whom ye will serve and abide by our choice. The manifestations, we can see which way we are going when we refuse to give to the Lord, when we refuse to give up time that we could use making money, for the presence of the Lord, for the gathering of God's people to pray. We have opportunities to make money and they come first before the Lord. These are the inconsistent commands. We cannot serve two masters. We will either hate the one and love the other 
or else we will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Well, the Apostle Paul recognizes and sees that the things which are set before our eyes are often the things which take our hearts. But we are to be aware of those things that are not seen. The Apostle in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18, speaking about how that he has ministered and continues to minister, says this, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, they are just for time, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And we think of the life that the Apostle Paul went through. We were just reading, Carol and I, last night, uh, uh, the sufferings that Paul went through uh, in 2 Corinthians. And they are listed, and it's it's a fairly long list too. And you wonder how he could possibly have continued through all of these things that that the the Lord allowed him to go all through these things. And yet, still he had his eyes on heaven. Still he had his desire after the things of God and desires to know the presence of the Lord. You might, if you have your scriptures, like to turn just to 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. Just reading the list, really of the things that the apostle did for his love of God. From verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known. As dying, and behold, we live. As chastened, and not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. For the glory of God, the Apostle Paul gives himself. But whom do we serve today? The Lord Jesus says you cannot serve both. Where is your heart? And as we read earlier uh, in one of these verses, it says, my son, give me thine heart. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank thee for thy word. We pray, Lord, that we might be wise in our understanding, that we might seek the Lord. And though the call of riches and the call of the finances of this world may be upon us, Let us recognize that those things are but temporal. They are here for a moment and gone. Lord, the thief breaks through and and steals. Lord, we pray that we might seek the riches of God, which cannot be taken from us, and even that which thou hast put to our hand day by day, that we might enjoy every moment. And Lord, that those enjoyments and those givings of thanks may redound to thy glory. 
and indeed to ours as we look to that glorious day when our judge will look upon us and say, Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Hear us, we ask. Continue with us this day in Jesus' name. Amen.